What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock
Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. Okay, welcome to part two of the odds and ends of 2003. Just get right into it. We kick things off with the Deftones doing one of their famous cover songs right there. Much like Anthrax, this band knows how to pick a cover tune. And they did it once again in 2003 with the B-side to their Minerva single. And that was a cover of Helmet's Sinatra song. So hope you enjoyed that. Nice little heavy jam to kick off the show here today. And let's just get right into the next song right here. For purposes of time, I yacked quite a bit on the first part. And I'll try to do it too much on this one. But we'll see what happens. I never have any of this planned in advance. But getting over to this odd and end right here. And I put this in the odds and ends because of the nature of the way these albums get released. So this is under the official band name called Desert Sessions. If you don't know what that is, it's basically a collective of people. And the germ of it really comes from Queens of the Stone Age and the family tree of musicians that kind of go in and out of the band over time. So it's kind of an extension of that. These particular releases, the Desert Session releases, were concepted originally as 10-inch vinyl EPs. So in nature and its original form, they're EPs. So that's what qualifies it for the odds and ends and not so much the albums list for the end of the year. Now, Some people may argue the fact that I could have included this as a possible contender for the albums, but at the same time, the CD release uh, that came out in 2003 combined Volume 9 and Volume 10 as one CD. But like I said, the original releases are 10-inch EPs, so they're odds and ends. They're EPs. They're odds and ends. That's just how I got to rule it. But they're really cool releases, and they definitely should be talked about. At this point, Queens of the Stone Age are definitely at their peak as far as commercially and just getting a lot of new fans in on it. So by the time anybody that showed up once Songs for the Deaf came out, they might be a little more open to listening to something like this. And this is basically the stuff that will tide people over until the next full-length album. And it definitely worked out that way for me. As a fan, I was really glad to hear this come out. And I knew about the Desert Sessions records a few years before that, but it kind of got me onto a, well, let's see how many I can find now and finally buy these things. And the cool thing about this particular session, uh, sessions 9 and 10, is there's an added element where, as the other ones definitely sound more like Queens of the Stone Age and like a bit of Caius going on, a lot of the desert rock stuff, and this definitely has that. There's some songs that will be included on future Queens of the Stone Age albums, so you get to hear these songs kind of in their infancy. Plus, because of the kind of jammy let's go out to joshua tree kind of nature of it you get some experimental songs and stuff like that but there there's some true gems on here i gotta say not just the songs that got reworked and included on queen's albums later and stuff like this the fact that pj harvey is in on the mix for these particular sessions adds a whole new element to the sound that we're normally used to And I think the stuff plays pretty well. When they're really trying on this album, it really shines. So that's why I wanted to play something specifically where it's basically like PJ co-lead singing and performing with Queens of the Stone Age. So on this particular track, it's Josh Hame playing a ton of instruments. You got Joey Castillo on drums, which is great. I call him one of the other hardest working drummers in show business in the 21st century, along with Josh Freese, who also plays on this record. But on this particular track, it's Joey Castillo. You got Alan Johannes playing a bunch of other stuff. And then you got PJ Harvey doing co-lead vocals, along with playing the bass. So really cool stuff right here. And with them together on this track, playing kind of almost what I call a spy rock song. So here you go. Here's PJ Harvey along with the rest of the Desert Session gang. And this song is called Crawl Home. Enjoy.
the people in this restaurant What do you think they weigh? And out the window to the parking lot At their SUVs Taking all of the space They give no fuck They talk as loud as they want They give no fuck Just as long as there's enough for them Gonna get on the microphone down at Walmart And talk about some shit that's been on my mind Talk about the state of this great nation of ours People look to your left, yeah, look to your right They give no fuck, they buy as much as they want Just as long as there's enough for them When you like to see them in the National Geographic Squatting bare-assed in the dirt Eating rice from a bowl With a towel on their head And maybe a bone in their nose See that asshole with a peace sign On his license plate Giving me the finger And running me out of his lane God made this number one Cause he loves us the best Well he should go bless someone else For a while and give us a rest Very nice man right there, and I could say that because I actually got to hang out with him for a little bit this year. That was Ben Folds finishing up that twofer with one of my favorite, favorite, favorite songs of his, and I think I've played on the show before, but it officially came out on one of his two EPs that he released in 2003, and that song was called All You Can Eat. He is just in his element right there with that song, and... I remember when that song came out, I was like, man, this is going to be a real sign of the times. Like, this really just is 2003. But sadly, that song has not aged a bit. (laughs) But yeah, that was All You Can Eat by Ben Folds. And before that, we had Desert Sessions with Crawl Home. And coming up next, we've got... And by the way, could you tell that I'm doing A to Z? I do this every time at this point now with the odds and ends because it's easier for me. But also, it helps me get to some twofers. And that that helps out a lot, but it just does make the uh, shows very schizophrenic in nature and style. But I love it. Hope you're along with me with this ride here. We've got a twofer coming up by the Foo Fighters. So in 2003, they're still putting out singles for the One by One record, which I'm not the biggest fan of that record, but. Even if you're not totally into the record, much like a lot of these other bands I've discussed, they throw it down when it comes to B-sides. And so, still keeping their relevance in my eyes here in 2003, the Foo Fighters put out some really cool B-sides. I'm going to play you my two favorites right here, and they are both covers. And I'm just not even going to tell you what they are in the front end, so I'm sure you'll get both of these. So we'll just give you the automatic points, and let's just play them right here. Here is a fun twofer of Foo Fighters cover versions. Enjoy. (laughs) 
could say she was a sex fiend I met her in a hotel lobby Masturbating with a magazine She said, how'd you like to waste some time? And I could not resist When I saw little Nikki There you have it right there. The Foo Fighters covering two massively heralded guitar heroes of all time right there. Started things off with their version of Joe Walsh's Life of Illusion, which, if you couldn't tell, lead vocals right there by the late, great Taylor Hawkins. Of course, if you're going to do a Joe Walsh cover, Taylor's got to sing it. He's the Joe Walsh nerd of the band. So, Fun stuff right there, and we finished things off with their famous cover of Prince's Darling Nikki which I believe was on the Have It All single, EP or whatever it was. But like I said, there's so many different import single releases with all these cool B-sides on it. Thankfully, those two particular songs actually got compiled onto a limited release of theirs, which was an all-covers album collecting all these covers called Medium Rare. So if you can track that one down, that's a great release to have for sure. Like I said, it's going to probably be a pretty penny at this point. Because it was a record store day release, but it's out there. Look it up. Medium Rare by the Foo Fighters. A lot of good stuff. That's not even all the covers they've ever done. That's just a good amount of them. So there you have it. These next three songs, I couldn't really even get them bundled together in two for form or anything else. So I'm just going to have to talk about them individually. But that's okay. Shit happens sometimes here on Rock Strikes 10. So by the end of this episode, I will have played two different entries from I believe what has to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest tribute album of all time. And I'm talking about the one to the Ramones called We're a Happy Family. The album was produced and put together by Rob Zombie, who also did the cover art, along with Johnny Ramone, who at this point was still with us. And there's just a a decently stellar amount of killer bands on here. There's even a few duds on it, but as tribute albums go, the fact that it's not 50-50 and it's more like 80-20 or something like that makes it one of the better tribute albums of all time because some tribute albums are pretty brutal. This one is decently, consistently great. And I'm going to play one of those songs now and then you're going to hear one at the end of this episode. 
And because of the nature of the A to Z format, that's how it has to be. So from We're a Happy Family, here is one of my favorite bands doing their own kind of version of the Ramones. And this is, by definition, for the most part, what makes a cover great is taking a song and making it your own. So here is Garbage's interpretation of one of my all-time favorite Ramones songs. This one's called I Just Want to Have Something to Do. Turn it up. killer stuff right there garbage doing the ramones i just want to have something to do first time i ever heard that song was in the rock and roll high school movie and i've loved it ever since so maybe that's why they did it as well who knows but there you have it garbage right there still bummed that i missed out on the vinyl version of that a few years ago so if anybody out there has one let me know let's, let's cut a deal let's cut a little deal ski okay next song right here this definitely is one of my favorite odds and ends for 2003. A lot of nostalgia goes into the fact that I saw the one and only tour that Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth did together. The Best of Both Worlds tour. The song for song, battle versus mode, whatever you want to call it. But Sammy and Dave actually toured together in 2002 because... At that point, they were like, well, Van Halen has nothing to do with us, so let's combine the efforts. And apparently, originally, the idea was to kind of wake the band up, and the hope was that they would all get together at some point by the end of the tour, if not at the beginning of it. In a perfect world, that's what would have happened. I could go on and on, but out of that, at least Sammy had the wherewithal to record a live album on the tour, I'm glad he was rolling tape throughout the tour because it's one of those different cities from the whole tour kind of thing and they compile it at the end and make the live album out of it. So it's not just like one show. But listening to this, it really gave me that instant flashback of being at the show because the set list is pretty on par with the order that I saw the show in. So I really enjoy this live album for that reason. I remember I had tickets to this show and I was going to go with Chris and Chris actually had to go out of town for like a whole week at that point. And so I went with his dad, Richard, who was, I always said he's like a real dad to me. So 
it was like the only show that we went to together like by ourselves without the rest of the family and everything so it was it was really unique and different for that reason but also we kind of were having a playful back and forth because he's more of a sammy guy and i'm more of a dave guy so we were all just like talking shit but like it was all it was all good because we at the end of the day we love all the songs and really that was one of the more ultimate van halen shows you could go to without eddie or alex being there but apparently the show to have been at on that tour, like 100% was the Boston stop because at that point, Sammy's got Mike Anthony coming out on stage to jam with them sporadically on a few Van Halen songs and in Boston. And I think you may know where I'm going with this. If you didn't know this happened, it did for the one and only time you not only had Dave there, you not only had Sammy there, but during Sammy's set, he had the wherewithal to bring out Gary Sharon to sing on a couple of songs during his set. So you had all three Van Halen singers of all time at one particular show here in Boston on that particular tour. What, what a moment. It's kind of unfortunate that they couldn't really make the whole do a couple of songs all together at once happen, but supposedly that's on Dave. Who knows? But... As they say, two out of three ain't bad. So here is that performance from the Boston show. You've got Sammy Hagar duetting with Gary Sharon on the OU812 single, When It's Love. And of course, yes, Michael Anthony is on bass as well. So once again, here is Sammy Hagar with the Wabaritas, along with Michael Anthony and Gary Sharon. And this is When It's Love. <laughs>
Yeah, despite the fact that I and most people didn't really enjoy Gary Sharon's tenure in Van Halen, uh, you go and watch that Australian show or whatever that pay-per-view show was out there, and it's like when he does those songs that aren't the Van Halen 3 songs, he does a really good job. And so it was really cool to kind of validate that with Sammy bringing Gary out for when it's love. So it's a cool moment. I, I really like hearing that. It gives me a little bit of a chill as a Van Halen guy. So there you have it, when it's love. From, uh, by the way, I didn't even mention the name of the album. That was officially on the release called Live Hallelujah, which you got to find the physical of that bad boy because as of this recording, it is not streaming. So there you go. And it was great to actually pull out the CD, put it in the stereo and play it like really hit that full volume peak on it. And when I pulled the CD out and there it was the ticket stub from the show in great condition. And I just got a chill. Like it just it was so cool. Anyway, I, if you've ever had that happen, that's how I, by the way, that's how you store your ticket stubs. If you're any kind of music fan, put them behind the tray and that preserves them pretty well. So, okay, there you go. Next up here, we got a guy who was covered at the top of the show by Deftones. Talking about Paige Hamilton. Paige actually put out a solo song for inclusion on the Underworld soundtrack, which is a franchise I'm not a fan of. Not a big fan of that horror-adjacent CG kind of era, but that that's just me. I am a bit of a purist when it comes to horror and sci-fi. Practical effects every time over most CG. But there are a handful of cool acts on the Underworld soundtrack at least. And I'm including this one right here because this song actually wound up being re-recorded later on under the helmet name when they got back together for the Size Matters record. But this version is actually a little bit different from the one that appeared on Size Matters. And I think this version is actually better than the one on Size Matters. But you be the judge if you know enough about the tune to A-B it. But I just like it because it's a heavy-ass song and it's crunchy like classic Helmet ought to be. So here is Paige Hamilton with a song called Throwing Punches. Here you go.
right, some cool stuff right there from Paige Hamilton that was Throwing Punches. It's definitely the music equivalent of Throwing Punches right there from the Underworld soundtrack. Hope you enjoyed that. I believe the first official release by Pussifer is on that soundtrack. There's a lot of Maynard stuff on there as well as I think there's a Perfect Circle song on there. Actually, two of them. So he, he must have produced this thing. He's on it a lot. Or just the producer of the soundtrack was a fanboy of Tool and Maynard's and Perfect Circle and stuff like that. There's also a remix of Bowie's Bring Me the Disco King. So it's got some cool stuff going for it. So if you like all those things I mentioned, then give it a shot. It's out there somewhere, the the Underworld soundtrack. Another thing that I don't think is streaming, because I think I went to go look for it on Spotify and it wasn't there. And that's okay. YouTube exists for that reason to fill in the blanks, but also, of course, your physical collection if you ever bothered to buy it back in the day. Here's two things coming up here that I definitely bothered to buy back in the day, 20 years ago. And this is the last twofer of this episode. This is the KISS section of the odds and ends, because, of course, if KISS is putting out something, especially something I've never heard before in any year, I am all about it. And there are two stellar moments here in 2003 for my money. I'm sure if I dove deep enough into comment sections and stuff like that about Kiss, which is a bad idea because you just get into a bunch of tribalistic bullshit. But I'm sure there's haters for this, but I really enjoyed uh, Alive 4, the symphony release. I think it's really cool. I was scared about it when I had heard about it. But then I did the thing. I actually went to go see like the DVD preview release like in the theaters. They did an event for it. It was weird actually because they, they show the documentary and then they show the final act, act three, with like the full orchestra. And when I went to go see it, uh, just because of the nature of it, and I guess, I don't know if somebody said something or maybe whoever was screening it was a fan, they went ahead and showed act two which was the unplugged section with minimal orchestra. So they showed it backwards and I didn't see act one until I actually bought the damn thing physically. So watched it backwards the first time in a sense, but I still loved watching it. It was super weird uh, being a Kiss fan in 2003 because it's the weird non-popular lineup of Tommy Thayer now coming in for Ace and Peter Chris returning to the band replacing Eric Singer, who replaced him, both in the same makeup. But yeah, the Tommy Peter lineup of Kiss. So maybe on certain principles, I really shouldn't have liked this. But at this point, I feel like the band actually still kind of gives a shit about putting on a really, really good show. Paul's voice is still happening. So maybe because of those factors, if you go back and revisit this Alive 4 Symphony release, time has been very kind to it. Some people bag on the DVD itself as far as editing, like it just jumps all over the place. And there's a lot of cuts in it, a lot of super cutting. But I watched it again recently, and I still loved watching it. So there's my pitch for it, for revisit and proper justice for the Alive 4 Symphony release. So yeah, whether you listen to it on CD or preferably watch it on DVD, I think it's time well spent, honestly. A fun fact, if you didn't know this, the guy that really put the thing together with Paul Stanley, especially the conductor of the whole symphony for the night in Australia, this guy, David Campbell, if you didn't know, that's actually Beck's dad. So yeah, it's Beck, uh, New Pollution, where it's at, loser, that guy. That's Beck's dad conducting the Kiss Symphony Orchestra for the night. Or I should say specifically the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. But for that night, they're the Kiss Army Symphony Orchestra. Because, like I said, you got to watch the DVD in a sense, especially if you've never seen it. But it's better visually because you got the whole orchestra and different Kiss makeup get-ups. So it's super cool, man. As a Kiss nerd, it's it's definitely one of the most important shows in the band's history. So, of course, I'm going to play something from that. And then we're going to finish things off with their contribution to the Ramones tribute album, We're a Happy Family. I played the Garbage song earlier in the episode, and we're going to close things off with Kiss's contribution with Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio. I remember when I first heard this, I lost my mind. It's like Ramones, one of my favorite bands of all time. Kiss, of course, one of my big, huge favorite bands of all time. 
And just to hear those worlds collide, it was just something else. So I got some fun facts about that particular cover version, but I'll save it till after we play these two songs right here, because let's get to it. I, I want to play these for you. We're going to start off from Kiss Symphony Alive 4 with the third to last song of the night, which was the first song from the final encore of the show. And special moment here for us Kiss fans, because it was the only time that this song had ever been played live. And for good reason. And I really love the song. It's it's a weird, slightly cheesy, over-the-top song. But you could only do it at this show because, of course, you got the huge symphony orchestra and on the original track, there's an orchestra playing on there, but also the children's choir. And you got all of those elements on stage. You could finally do Great Expectations. So kicking off this twofer here of really cool Kiss performances. This is Kiss along with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra and the Australian Children's Choir all being conducted by Beck's dad, David Campbell. And here's Gene, Paul, Tommy, and Peter and doing the one-time-only performance of Great Expectations. Enjoy. Listen! You 
Closing off the show here and closing off part two of the odds and ends of 2003. That was an excellent, excellent kiss twofer right there. An epic double shot starting off with great expectations from Kiss Symphony Alive 4 with the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra and the Australian Children's Choir. I love that version right there. Great expectations. I think that night they played every song off of Destroyer except for Flaming Youth and Sweet Pain. Yeah, they played seven out of nine Destroyer songs that night. But also, I got to say, now that I I went and watched the final Madison Square Garden show on a pay-per-view feed, I went to the Rock and Brews over near the house with Nola. We watched the show. And we saw three shows on that end of the road tour. And yeah, they basically did play the same set list every single time. Despite the fact that they had a new stage and everything, I just don't think that they made the farewell tour special enough. And that last show just being the same fucking show that they played the entire tour. They didn't make anything special about it besides just having it on pay-per-view and having a big to-do like throughout the city that whole week. The fact that they didn't do that special of a show for the final show. Disappointing to me as a fan, I will say, now that I've had a little bit to think about it. But also, when I went back and watched the Symphony show, the Alive 4 show, after that, after the fact of the last show, I was like, man, this set list blows away the final tour and the final show especially. So... If you're looking to watch a good Kiss show from somewhat modern times, watch the Alive 4 show. That that show could have served as an excellent farewell show, honestly, I think. Especially in comparison. But yes. Am I saying should they have hung it up after this particular show? For me, personally, no. Because then I wouldn't have experienced a lot of other cool shows down the road. Seeing the Rock the Nation tour was great. And of course, going on the second Kiss cruise, so... No regrets there as a fan. But yeah, the, the the final shows were disappointing, I gotta say. Yeah, I had fun being at the shows, but you know what I'm trying to say. I think you know what I'm trying to say. What am I saying? I don't know. But what I do know is the fact that we had the Tommy Peter lineup on the Alive 4 thing and the lineup that's playing here on the Ramones Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio, different lineup entirely, which is... Kind of par for the course as a KISS fan over time, but kind of neat that, of course, it's Gene and Paul right there. Paul's playing the only guitar on this recording. You got Eric Singer on drums. You got Bob Ezrin, who produced the track, Bob Ezrin on piano. And probably because of the Bob Ezrin connection, this guy named Scott Page, who I didn't know that name right off, but apparently he played saxophone on any of the Bob Ezrin-produced Pink Floyd albums. So, really interesting lineup right there. Definitely a one-time-only lineup. That's right up there with the lineup that played on that terrible Diane Warren song from the Detroit Rock City soundtrack, where it's like Paul, and I don't even think Gene plays on it, and you got Steve Ferroni from the Heartbreakers playing drums on it, and Bruce Kulick playing lead on it. Yeah, stuff like that. that. That's what it's like being a Kiss fan, not knowing, unless you really dig, not knowing who's really playing on what song sometimes, especially in the modern times. But okay, I digress. That was a long-winded Kiss Nerd thing right there, and I chose to end the show with it. But hey, that's the way it might go sometimes. But that was part two of the five-part odds and ends that we're doing here for 2003. I think it's going well so far, but we got plenty more shows to go. We've got eight more parts dealing with 2003 we got three more parts of the odds and ends, and of course, building up to the big albums countdown. I'm telling you, this albums countdown is going to rule. It's going to be great. So stay tuned and come along with me for the rest of the ride here. Till then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. 
For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.